Welcome to the Park Podcast, where dialogue across difference is vital to community wellness. I'm Dr. Leah Howard, your host in the space where open dialogue, the free exchange of ideas, and civil and robust expression of divergent views is valued. Here we will explore the research, the practical applications, and the benefits of effective, ethical, and civil dialogue in a diverse world. We hope to model respectful conversation that accurately and authentically frames contentious issues, hoping to reach an ideologically diverse audience. As a reminder, for Series 5 of The Park, we're putting out a call to the entire Penn community, students, faculty, staff, and alumni, in order to gather together some living examples of unlikely friendships. We want to study friendship and learn about the qualities and characteristics that are embodied in and kindled by those that might be called unlikely. Our past two interviews have featured pairs of students who are in unlikely friendships. And for our third interview, we turn to two incredible staff members who are part of the Penn Religious Communities Council out of the office of the chaplain, Megan Lecluse and Patty Anton. Megan Lecluse is an ordained Presbyterian minister and heads up the Christian Association, while Patty Anton is a chaplain to the Muslim Student Association. They both support students who share their own spiritual beliefs and traditions, yet Megan as a Christian and Patty as a Muslim do not share the same religious beliefs. As you will hear in the conversation, they share space, both housing their religious communities within the same space over at the Christian Association. This shared space has fostered a friendship where they have come to many profound realizations. One of them is that they actually have similar roles in students' lives. Because of this, Patty and Megan are able to support each other as they have very proximate knowledge about what it means to be women religious leaders serving students at Penn. This has led to deeper shared understandings and the cultivation of generosity and a posture of wanting to learn from each other. We can learn larger lessons about friendship from their wisdom in this conversation. Welcome to the park. I am delighted to be joined by two staff members who are part of the Penn Religious Communities Council, Megan Lecluse and Patty Anton. Megan and Patty, thanks so much for joining our Unlikely Friendship series. Would you introduce yourselves, who you are, can you give us your name, your role at Penn, your hometown, or anything else you'd like to share? Sure. Thanks, Leah, for having us both. We are excited to be here and join you. I'm Reverend Megan Lecluse, and I am the director and campus minister of the Christian Association at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm also an ordained minister of the Presbyterian Church USA. I was born in Kansas City, but grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, which I call my hometown. And I'm excited to be cheering for the University of Arizona Wildcats as March Madness begins, which is where I went for undergrad. Thank you, Leah, for um, inviting us. It's great to be here with you and with, with Megan. So I'm Patty Anton. I'm the chaplain with the Muslim Life Program um, on campus at Penn. So I support the MSA and, and work on programming um, for, for the Muslim community. I'm originally from Ohio, a small town called Medina. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'd love to hear why is your friendship unlikely or unusual in some way? 
Yeah, it's a good question. And when we first got the email about this series, I think both of our initial response was that it doesn't seem unlikely to both of us. Though, as I thought about the question, I think it was when we were carpet shopping together one summer that we kind of did look at each other and say, I wonder what people think as they see the two of us out here together doing errands and such. Um, So I think people might consider it unlikely because we do come from different faith traditions. And because Patty does wear a hijab, you can physically tell that we may come from different faith traditions. Um, And so for some people that might seem like it would make friendship challenging, but for the two of us, and I think for both of us, how we understand our faith to shape and influence our lives, it actually makes our friendship stronger and it fits very compatibly into our understandings of living out our faith. Um, And I think there's a lot of other things that we'll talk about that make our friendship strong and our benefits of our friendship. Uh, But I think that's part of why people might consider it unlikely. Yeah. So as Megan said, it was maybe we don't experience it as, as unusual. It feels pretty normal for us. And for me, though, you know, I was thinking about it and I've been seeing relationships like this um, for more than 20 years. Being in an American Muslim community, um, being, you know, engaged in, you know, national Muslim leadership. I've been very active in interfaith. And so all my mentors, I've seen them having kind of relationships like this. My imam that that I look to as a mentor, uh, he uh does work with evangelical Christians and they go on trips together. They have retreats together. Um, they do so much partnering together and they have really deep friendships. One of my first, um, uh, Shayuk that taught me, um, when I was doing my master's in Islamic studies, he had all these stories that when he lived in Iraq, pre-Saddam, that he would be giving the private Friday sermon and it's, it's on this like kind of megaphone outside and people in the neighborhood could, could hear it. And so afterwards, go and he have lunch with the local rabbi and they would discuss his, his sermon and they would, would have their own kind of friendship and interfaith discussion. Others of my mentors, you know, I've, I've seen them like, okay, kind of going to golf together, like the imam and the priest. And they make these jokes that, oh, okay, we're just going to tell everybody we're trying to convert each other. But really, it's a deep kind of respectful um, friendship. Um, but you know, I, I also kind of thought back, it's been so normative for me to be in this space as like Muslim Americans, we are not a majority in this country, right? We're like one, 2% of the population. So in, in a, in a country where not everybody necessarily has that same exposure and closeness and the media doesn't tell always the stories of, of the friendship, which is why it's great to have a podcast like this that, that says, no, these, these kind of friendships are actually happening all the time. But for people who aren't in direct connection, hear these kind of things in the media, I think it could seem strange. And even for myself as kind of, um, you know, I converted to Islam, right? So there, there, was, there was a time that I didn't know any Muslims. You know, perhaps I would have thought it was kind of more unique at that time in my life as well. Wow. Thank you so much. Really interesting, your, the interfaith connection, and I can't wait to, to delve more into it. So would you tell us more about your friendship story? How did you first become friends? Uh, when I came to, you know, kind of Penn campus, it was sort of like trying to create a space 
for the Muslim community. We were working with the chaplain's office, but um, when I became kind of full-time at Penn, I didn't, I didn't have an office. I didn't have a space. It was kind of like, oh, yeah, can I borrow an office for a little while? Can I meet somebody in a coffee shop or a corner on campus? And so it was really kind of looking for like kind of a space and, and, and the kind of campus that Penn is, you know, there's uh, not a lot of availability of space. And we didn't want to be in a place that was far and remote from where the students are, that I'm like sitting in an office and there's no students there. And and then the, just kind of the expense and availability question. And, and I think I was walking around kind of campus, right, kind of coming back from, from lunch. And I was part of the Penn Religious Communities Council. Megan and I had actually been on panels together. But I was I was walking by these churches and I was like, I, I wonder if anybody has like a room that they're not using that I could um, use for my, for an office or something. And, and part of the reason I thought of that is um, because of all the examples I had seen, like in the community that I came from, right? So the mosque that, that um, I had come from was very engaged in interfaith and had, you know, many interfaith partners. Um, And when they found that they were kind of overcrowded on Friday afternoons for the, the Jumma services, instead of building new buildings or trying to get a new space, they were able to just contract with their interfaith partners to use their halls on Friday afternoons. Um, so this was a space that had the parking, it had the zoning, but for the churches and synagogues that they would partner with, that was unused space on a Friday afternoon. So it became kind of like a win-win sort of friendship and, 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 and you know, partnership to be able to do something. And, and so this had me thinking that this was a possibility. And so I approached, you know, the chaplain's office sort of saying, you know, do you know anyone who might have space and be open to kind of sharing space like that. Meanwhile, Megan's having her own conversation, which I will let her tell you. Yeah. Um, So we had at the Christian Association, um, or the CA is what we call it for short, um, gone from two full-time staff to just me in the fall of 2017. And while students would come in and study and be around the building some, it also... I was often alone in the building and we had space and we're wondering kind of how it could be better used. And I was also in conversation with the chaplain's office and especially Steve, who was not wanting me to be so alone in that space over there. And also in conversation with Patty and knowing she was looking for space. So I think in about January 2018, he connected us with the idea of, well, us getting together for coffee first and seeing what we thought, how we connected, how we felt about potentially sharing the space. And then we decided to try it out for that semester. Um, And that first semester was really like, could this work? A lot of dialogues about how we make the space work and friendly for both of our groups, respecting both of our traditions. And then that summer is when we really did kind of decide to settle into this and see it as something longer term, which is why we went carpet shopping. Um, We did a lot of renovating around the space, which probably was a bonding experience in and of itself, Um, from re-carpeting to having the spaces painted to reorganizing the structure. Uh, We moved my office from one floor to another so that we could make the third floor a shoeless floor and just thought about how could we use this space in a way that is best compatible with looking at it as a shared space. Um, And so, yeah, we got to know each other a lot through that process and 
our own friendship, I would say, started developing and forming a lot more as we did. Well, such a great story about space. And I know how precious space is here at Penn. So I love that story that it brought you together. Now, how do you maintain your friendship? And then are people ever surprised that you're friends? And if they are, what do they say? One of the things that jumps to mind, and I think it represents a lot in terms of maintaining our friendship, is painting nails in Patty's office. So, Patty, when did you get the nail polish? Was that pre or post COVID? Actually, I, I think it was it was post. Yeah, but um, the the chaplain that had previously been at Columbia had the halal nail polish in her office and like students would drop by and paint their nails and talk to her and things. And and I was having intense uh, color craving so that summer right before we came back. And so I, I got nail polish into my office. And so now, like, I think last the week before spring break here at Penn, Patty and I had a meeting. And so our meetings are often begin with kind of catching up and picking nail polish that will match what we're both wearing. Um, and so in a sense, I think to me that kind of elicits the idea of female friends talking. And I think that is a powerful piece of our friendship is both women in religious work. Um, but we talk, I mean, so we do share about our lives and what's going on and things outside of work, but we are also people and friends who are able to share about our work and who understand what our work is and entails, which I think is a little bit unique in campus ministry um, to have people who really kind of understand what this work can be like. And so I think a lot of how we maintain our friendship is just through that spending time with one another and supporting one another and sharing joys or frustrations or challenges, all of which get shared. Um, yeah. And see, we get advice from one another too. Like, can I talk through this situation or what's going on? Or, and we also do the like mundane, like, all right, let's look at the building schedule and who's doing what, when, and making sure it all works out. We both kind of have this kind of a little bit of chaplaincy training as part of our uh, religious uh, ministry training. And I think we, we, look at each other as sort of like kind of team members and partners um, in that sense, um, even though we are kind of serving like different communities, we're, we're really kind of doing it together. So we can do the sharing ideas as well. But like, um, you know, sometimes when you just need a quick counseling session yourself or a processing session, you know, we're able to really kind of be there for one another. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we've been able to do, um, you know, kind of over the years that kind of bring our communities together and have, have good dialogues, right? So some of that has been book clubs um, and some of that has been movie nights and other kinds of shared things that allow us to kind of like share experiences and, and, and have some, you know, kind of good conversations along the way. Yep, a number of shared meals between our communities as well, which allows for good dialogue and good food. And, and Megan was like kind of amazing because she, she actually downloaded the the year that we moved in together around the time that we were shopping for carpets, she downloaded a halal scanner app so that we could make sure that all the snacks kind of in the CA in the shared space with halal. So there, there's no alcohol in the space. There's no pork in the space, but she also, you know, the chips that we have, she, she runs them through the scanner before she gets them, which just beautifully mindful um, and, and really helps make it a, a great space for everyone who comes there. 
These are wonderful stories. And I'm so glad your students get to see your friendship and, and that there's such fruit from it and programming and um, scanning the chips is so wonderful that thank you. Um, <laughs> so what are some of the things that you most value about your friendship and how does this friendship contribute to your well-being? I think we really have busy schedules. And, and so, you know, just having someone that you share space with, you don't have to schedule anything in addition to just have somebody there to be able to like process and, and to talk and, and, you know, kind of discuss these things as well whether that's the latest episode of Mandalorian or something like that. Yeah, Marvel, Mandalorian, all of that we do enjoy in talking about TV and stuff. But we also sometimes have really heavy conversations with students. And just sitting with that, it's nice to have somebody that you can go and be with and have support. Because we often are carrying things that we need to keep confidential and we can understand that and respect that in each other and also know when somebody just needs to have some extra support. And it is nice just to have somebody you can float into and their office and bounce off ideas or just say hi or (laughs) go grab lunch or a snack or coffee together or thinking how to articulate this best. But um, having a friend who understands and also like understands why you do what you do and has the same thing driving them. Um, It's really cool that a lot of people I would say out in the world don't understand people who give their lives to religious work, much less specifically working with the college age group and all that that brings as they grow and become adults. Uh, I would say there's a lot of joys and challenges in working with this age group and even through grad students. And it's wonderful just to have somebody who like gets what makes you tick and it makes them tick too, even if it is from different faith perspectives and faith traditions. Um, I feel like that allows us to understand each other and connect in a way that we don't get to connect with many other people. Hmm. So well said, and I appreciate hearing it too. Um, so how do you think the Penn community makes it easy for friendships like yours to develop and grow? And then how does it make it hard for unusual friendships to develop and grow? I think there's a lot, and I'll come back to it, that can make it easy. Of course, I like jumped to what makes it hard when I read the questions, uh, because I think I think they're still using the term pen face these days, but I think genuine friendships, probably period, but especially ones across differences require vulnerability and openness and sharing and pen faced pushes people not to want to be vulnerable. And so I think that can be one of the challenging things in a setting like this. And especially sometimes when those differences, students feel like they have to compensate for in the first place, um, be it race or gender or religion or having a disability, to open up and share with somebody some of your experiences in that identity requires a lot of trust and vulnerability. And so I think 
creating that at Penn and in this kind of setting of comp that can be very kind of competitive and driven by a certain definition of success can be hard. Um, I think there are a lot of ways and opportunities for students to meet each other and connect with people who may be different in certain ways than themselves. Uh, and I think one of the things in both our communities is that we have places and spaces where undergraduate and graduate students both attend and can mix and get to meet each other. And I know that's one of the things students have said to me is that the students they get to meet at the CA are not students they would get to often meet elsewhere. Um, so I think it is easy to seek out spaces where you can meet people at Penn, but I think it's an environment that can make it hard to really create those strong friendships. I think there's a lot of spaces probably beginning with just kind of moving into the dorms where, you know, people have opportunities to kind of like meet and connect. One of the things that I think I've, I've become like kind of increasingly aware of over the years is just how that is experienced differently, um, you know, between people who, who feel that they're part of the majority and those that feel who, that they might be having a minority identity as well. You know, how do we make that engagement like kind of equitable? The burden isn't heavy on, you know, kind of the minority groups. I mean, you know, kind of going back to my, my interfaith experience is in, in the wake of September 11th, we did so much interfaith and every Muslim I knew did so much interfaith, right? Like it was, uh, you know, it was very time consuming. The mosque that I had had like, a hundred congregations that it was partnering with, you know, and again, that's sort of the, you're one, 2% of the population. Um, and, and there's a lot of people who are wanting to get to know you and wanting to get engaged with you. And so how do you make that, that sort of equitable, right? So that it's not like, you know, it can be sometimes exhausting for the people who are coming from a minority group to feel that they have to be the ones explaining all the time or, or, um, you know, the bandwidth that that sort of takes to to share the experience that they have um, with people who, who may not have, have had it, right? Um, you know, and, and just even sometimes, I mean, and again, this is when we're talking about, you know, kind of dialogue and coming to differences, the, the resources and, and the power dynamics that sometimes go into kind of encounters, right, are not necessarily always uh, uh, equitable, right? And, and, and so I think that that, um, you know, something to be aware of, of just how people experience that, that, that differently. For some people that can actually be fatiguing. And it's not that they don't want to engage across difference. It's just that they're doing it all the time. Um, and, and so that's why I think you also see sometimes you end up having, um, you know, affinity groups that come on campus, right? Is this because sometimes, you know, students need to be in places where they, they don't have to explain. So I think that's one of the challenges. And, and, and just, of course, you know, the schedules that our students have, that they can, they can be very focused on, on kind of what they're doing and, and, and not have the bandwidth sometimes to, you know, kind of, kind of step out of the box. As you're saying that, Patty, I'm thinking like there has been a lot of education throughout our friendship. But I think that's also why it's so important to highlight things that like our friendship is not always my learning about Islam, but it also is like talking about whatever movie just came like those things we were just talking about, like talking about the Mandalorian or whatever show we're binging friendships with people from different backgrounds 
aren't always about those differences. So often the friendships are about the things that we share and that are the same amongst us. Sometimes we may make assumptions that we wouldn't have the same interests, which is often an error on our own side um, and something I think to be aware of in these kind of friendships. But there is so much of the time that you can spend in the things that are shared that it doesn't, you don't have to assume that it's going to be this relationship that's always just about educating. That I've sort of heard from students is that in some of the ways that they're experiencing the diversity conversations in, in different, whether that's departments on campus or whatever, uh, makes it feel like they're having more shallow relationships. Somehow they're being encouraged to just be so careful that they're not getting into actual intimacy, you know, knowing people at a real personal level. And so sometimes, you know, I have people saying like, okay, I do, I work in a diverse, you know, for, for instance, lab on campus, but so much of our conversation is just about work because, um, because something in the culture is not really encouraging us to, to get to know each other better at a personal, um, you know, kind of level. Wow. Thank you. But so much for all the nuance you've brought to that that question. I appreciate that. So what advice would you give to other members of the Penn community who might want to have friendships that might be unlikely? And I, I mean here are like, you know, other staff members, other students, other faculty, like where do they find folks? And then how do they cultivate personal dispositions like many of the ones you've already described today that might make them open to unusual friendships? Part of it is an orientation of your heart, you know, this idea of, of, of just, you know, kind of wanting good for others. And I, I also think that, you know, to start with the things that you kind of care about and, and look for those spaces of, of shared interests. You know, people do have busy schedules and there's a lot that can demand your time, a lot that can demand your energy. You know, in, in this, I think it's, you know, I, I always am recommending with pretty much everybody I talk to is, you know, we have to find those self-care spaces, right? We have to find those things that, that nurture us and that need to restore us. So, you know, kind of doubling it up, finding the things that either you're passionate about that might, that you can get involved and connect with other people. Megan and I have gone to the gym together. You know, we've, we've, we've gone swimming together, allowing, you know, those kind of connections, you know, to be there. And the other thing is to, you know, kind of initiate, right? Um, you know, if, if you, if you, find that you yourself are wanting something, you know, um, you know, if you're going to the kitchen for a glass of water because you're thirsty, get, get the water for other people too, because you might not be the one that's thirsty, right? Um, so, you know, initiate an invitation, you know, create a space if you want to be able to see something happen and, and just invite people into it. And, and you may find that there's other people that are wanting what you're wanting as well. I think in terms of the uh, how to meet people, I think it's gotten a little trickier in certain aspects post COVID because I feel like when I think of some of the spaces I'm in on campus, when like I'm on a conference committee planning or conference planning committee. And when we met in person, you could have some of those kind of conversations in that pre and post meeting time or like walking back to your office with someone when we're meeting on zoom, I feel like less of that space is happening naturally. And so I think there may have to be a little bit more intentionality in seeking spaces to meet people. I think Penn is also a place where there are 
umpteen offerings that you could find that would bring you to those kind of spaces and allow you to meet people. For introverts like me, it also may, as Patty was kind of saying, require you to go a little outside your comfort zone and initiate conversations. I would happily go to a program and sit and listen and leave. But if you really want to start to have some of those relationships and try to develop some friendships, it does require you to put yourself out there a little bit and maybe be the one to walk up and start a conversation with somebody. Um, yeah, and I, a couple things in those relationships, I would say, similar to what Patty was saying, uh, be, be curious is something um, which is a tattoo my sister wants to get um, after, kind of after the scene in Ted Lasso, in Ted Lasso yes. Uh, but, and that curiosity, I think, spans everything from some of the things we've talked about where you do talk and learn about each other's lives and cultures and backgrounds. But also when you're a friend, like, be curious why your friend doesn't seem happy today or seems like they're carrying something heavy and ask that question. And also, I think active listening is so critical. And when Patty was talking a little bit ago about the perspective of being in the minority position, especially in the differences in our friendship with my coming from the Christian, the more majority background, I think active listening is really critical for me to do my part in the friendship so that Patty's not explaining the same thing to me a dozen times because I didn't listen. I think part of my role is to listen and to learn. And sometimes I may forget and have a question again. And of course, that's okay. But there are things that I have learned and can do my part to make our friendship better and our lives easier by doing that. Active listening is just yeah, in these situations. And also just, it's something I think is a lot of us struggle with as humans. Um, we ask somebody, how are you doing today? And then don't pay attention. And I think all of our relationships that we care about deserve the time for us to pay attention. Well, such good advice. I'm just jotting it all down here. Orientations of the heart, initiative, creating space, intentionality, be curious, active listening. Gosh, listening huh, on a podcast, really very deep. Um, so thank you for that. And is there anything else either of you would like to share as we close? Oh, that was one other thing. I was like, there was something else I was thinking with that last question. Um, don't run away from difficulties. I think that happens not just in friendships that might be considered unlikely, but in a lot of our relationships. One of the thing or one of the realities I would say of us sharing space is that there are there have been in our continue to be growing pains. And sometimes that does mean sitting down and having conversations that can feel a little bit uncomfortable. And that doesn't mean that we should just quit and walk away and be like, I don't want to do that. Because I think that is something that ultimately benefits us all is to have those sometimes challenging or uncomfortable conversations and learn and grow ourselves through them and come out better in terms of your relationship, but also how our communities might work together. 
you know, um, these grounds where we share space, right, um, and we're in relationship, they're, they're training grounds for all of us, you know, spiritually and, and, and just, just personally, and, and something that, that we need to be mentoring to our communities, right? So, you know, this active listening, it's like, this is what I want for them, um, for their own relationships, you know, again, whether that's, you know, professionally or in their friendships or, you know, their families, you know, that they have or that they may have in the future, um, you know, so we hope that, that uh, you know, we're, we're trying to create a space and, and, and model all of these things together. And when I start my, my sessions, you know, with the students every night, it's like, you know, I'm reminding myself and reminding others as part of the intention, right? So we're always kind of like working on ourselves at the same time that we're, you know, trying to, you know, encourage and mentor, you know, those that are around us as well. Megan and Patty, I can't thank you enough for joining us today and for letting us into your friendship and sharing your wisdom and just so generously telling us about how you are friends. Thank you. From Patty and Megan, we are reminded of the many benefits that unlikely friendships can provide. Their friendship highlights specific expressions of general themes that we can learn from. Ideas such as the importance of shared space with others and how by sharing physical space, deeper relationships can grow. By working together on a shared goal, such as buying carpet and planning out renovations together, you can learn to consider the needs of folks who are different from yourselves. The importance of taking time to bond over relaxing and self-care experiences, like shared meals or book clubs, or applying nail polish, or watching episodes of The Mandalorian, all humanizing. Being generous and willing to learn. Providing advice and support for each other as women in religious work. Being hospitable and even downloading the Halal scanning app to make sure shared snacks are halal. The orientation of your heart, utilizing active listening and desiring to be vulnerable. Across the world and within the U.S., religious beliefs sharply divide folks. But Patty and Megan's friendship models the beauty of interfaith relationships. They've learned a lot about their similarities and have found how special it is to have someone who, to quote Megan, understands why you do what you do and has the same thing driving them. I want to leave you with the advice that Patty gives us around how to cultivate unlikely friendships. She says, initiate. If you find you yourself are wanting something, like a cup of water, get that for someone else. Initiate an invitation or create a space. Maybe this made you think about a friendship you have. If so, please respond to our call for unlikely friendships at Penn. The link is on the SNF Padilla website. Just go to engage and you will see a link to the park. Join us next time to hear from another group of friends that call their friendship an unlikely one. <laughs>